I'm Sam Kelly, and this is Threads of Commonality, where we lift the veil on the world issues that unite us like a thread weaving us together, keeping the conversations going that are vital to the health of our planet, animals, and our collective well-being. Meet everyday people making a difference in their communities. Learn about what unites us and discover ways to change the world. Together, we are powerful. Real conversations with real people. Hi, everyone. This is Sam Kelly on Threads of Commonality, and I'm online here with Corey Hutchinson. Corey's running for Sarasota County Commissioner District 3. He's been a resident of Sarasota County his entire life and grew up in Northport, where he lives now with his fiance. He's dedicated to this community and all that it can be. He loves helping people and doing his best every day to make the world a better place. His goal is, quote, reimagine government, which means he wants government to operate the way it was designed. Imagine that. Of, by, and for the people. He's dedicated to fighting for what's right, not what's easy. So welcome to the show, Corey. I'm glad you're here. How are you and how's your campaign? Uh, I'm doing really well. Thank you so much for having me. I very much appreciate it. Um, I'm doing really good. Our campaign is going really well. Uh, all the restructuring and things that we had to do a while back for COVID, uh, you know, we, we, it's become the new normal of how to campaign now. So it, it doesn't feel so different anymore. It just feels like what this campaign season is. And uh, we're having fun with it and reaching a lot of people on Zoom and virtually. And I've been able to attend more events online now than I usually could in person because I don't have to drive so much to get to things. Yeah, it's been interesting. You know, I'm a teacher, so it's uh, we're kind of figuring out how to do a lot of things virtually and with Google Classroom and fun stuff like that. And, you know, if you embrace the change and, and you you try to kind of work your way around it, there are some things that actually are being more are more efficient now. And um, to your point, you don't have to drive and commute everywhere to these meetings if people can figure out the zoom and if you can kind of do the, the technology part, you really can reach a large audience. So that's kind of a benefit, but um, are there any other challenges with what's going on with COVID as far as running a campaign? I mean, I really feel for all you, uh, all of the candidates that are trying to do this during a pandemic. So what, what is, uh, what's been a challenge and, and what, what's going well for you? The, the fundraising was a big challenge um, because there's um, some audiences that they like to give money, but when they see you in person and can kind of have that connection with you and then they'll be willing to give. So when you don't have that, you know, they're not as apt to donate if you just ask them through Facebook or something like that. So missing that audience has hurt in terms of the fundraising. There is a human connection that you do miss. And, and I have kind of missed some of the handshakes and, you know, hearing people, who will come up to you and say, oh, you're doing really well, or I heard this about you, or, I heard that about you. There hasn't been as much of that. So that's been, it's just different. It doesn't feel the same as it's felt in past elections that I've been involved in. But once you kind of get over that and understand that this is what it is now, and you know we have an opportunity to run differently, but also form ideas in this election that we might be able to use in future campaigns, that um, you really start to embrace it at that point and you kind of just get over what you've been missing or what you feel like isn't normal from previous. 
Understood. And since, and you are running a people-funded, people-powered campaign. So that, that people factor is really crucial for you, whereas other candidates, um, maybe we won't mention any names, maybe we will, I don't know. But uh, other candidates are getting money from big corporations or developers, and so they don't need that people factor, whereas you're a people candidate. So you, you do need that support from the everyday public, right? Yeah, the the connection and not having those human contact to get funds or even not just funds, but just a human contact there when you don't have all the packs and developers and other things backing you that, that does hurt. Um, but we found ways to connect with them. And I will tell you that there are some of people who would normally be donors of a campaign like mine who are financially not able to because of the situation and, you know, we understand that. And I'm not going to uh, beg for money for people who have had hard times and things like that. I mean, the corporations and the PACs, they can donate no matter what. And, at, you know, as a candidate, you just have to accept that if you don't accept that money, that you're going to have less than other people. But that is what it is. We can't change the system if we play within the system. So we have to be willing to do something different. Understood. And, and you're, you're creative, you're embracing the technology, you're embracing the tools and, and, and people can um, donate their time. You know, we, that's something that I'm, I'm really big on is it doesn't always have to be money. It has to, it, it can be time. And, and towards the end, we'll talk about how people can get involved. But here in this first segment, can you just tell me um, what made you run? I mean, what made you run for Sarasota County um, commissioner? What, what made that decision for you? Nothing changes if nothing changes. If we keep electing the same type of people who are funded by the same people who vote the same way, which is what we've had for many, many years on the Sarasota County Commission, we will never get any better. It will never get any better than what it is. And we have a lot of room to improve in many areas. Uh, I'm a believer in doing what I can to help my community. And I think we all should. Now, not everybody wants to run for an office and there are many ways to help. You know, you don't have to run for something. You can do a lot of things. But for me, running for an office, because I do have the integrity that will stand up for what's right, I'm not going to be um, sold uh, these lies from special interests that we have to vote a certain way in order to appease the, the powers that be. You know, I'm not somebody who's trying to get into this office as a stepping stone for a future career who's going to vote whatever I think is going to help me move up the ladder. And I care. And really, I think one of the worst things about some of our county commissioners that we have now is that they don't seem to care. They make a decision, but it doesn't affect them directly. So it doesn't matter if they mess up or, or not. I take it very seriously. I care that I do the right thing. Uh, I, I think it's important that we look at facts and we really analyze what's coming before us. I trust staff, but we still need to review what's being done and what kind of decisions are being made because people will tell you anything and you'll get sold three different things from three different people. So throughout the process and even before this, I've tried to surround myself with people who have been in this arena before, who have dealt with it and know what it looks like when people are coming at you to try to prepare me to be better and be able to kind of see when, when things are going wrong, how to spot that. I really want a voice for people on the community and to stop the deals for the developers, stop the deals for special interest, but to just do the right thing. And if that 
um, only gets me a spot on the county commission and it doesn't help my career in politics forward, that's all right because uh, this is about doing what's right for this community because I have lived here my life uh, so far and I still live here and we own a house here. So I would like for it to be a good community, not just now, but for the future. We really have to think about the future and how things are going to be in 10 years, 20 years, not just what we did in the past. So, Corey, uh, what are your top three concerns for Sarasota County and your top three goals? I guess if you could just present us the problems and your solutions. Sure. So the first thing is the environment and tied into that with that is our infrastructure. Um, we had in the past a 2050 plan for Sarasota County and we, technically we still do, but a lot of it has been eroded. This plan was really uh, came together. It was a huge community effort. People put a lot of hours into it from all aspects of the community. And unfortunately, after it was adopted and in subsequent years, developers and other special interests have been able to chip away whatever they wanted. They petition and ask for it. The county commission says, okay. And, and that's a huge issue because the 2050 plan laid an environmental foundation for how we will not just protect the environment, but how we will grow with um, intelligence, you know, no urban sprawl, but actually have a plan. It talked about renewable energy and really laid the groundwork for the future. And unfortunately, we've lost a lot of that. So we really need to take what we have in the 2050 plan, strengthen it, make appropriate edits for the future, but make that another community effort again. But when we do it this time, we need to include weight to it to where it has to be followed. Uh, all the resolutions and things like that are all good, but if they don't have a weight to them or a penalty if you don't follow it um, or an incentive to follow it, commissions in the future can easily disregard it like we're seeing done right now. So I think we need to relook at that enhance it for the future, bring back those community conversations that we had, but then have that weight to it, whether it be a penalty if you don't adhere to it or whether it be incentives to adhere to it, something that will give it that teeth to where it will be, you know, the rule, not just uh, we should do this. Um, in regards to the environment also is our infrastructure. We have had hundreds of millions of gallons of sewage spill into our water over the past couple years. And most of them are from force main breaks, water main breaks, sewage breaking. Very few of them were from construction accidents. So we understand that we have aging infrastructure. And one of the things is that in some of those newspaper articles you see, it'll say Venice sewage pipe breaks. But it's actually a county infrastructure that broke. It's within or near the city of Venice, but it's infrastructure that was put in by the county. So that's our responsibility at the county level to handle that. We need to uh, repair and rebuild those aging pipes. There is one wastewater treatment plant uh, near Bee Ridge that's being uh, enhanced now, but it doesn't help the other ones that might be having a problem. And we have staff that can get data exactly as, in terms of what type of population and how many people our infrastructure was designed to handle versus what we actually have. 
and which ones really need attention right now. That's a very expensive undertaking. Uh, infrastructure is one of the most expensive things to pay for that a county or a city will ever pay for. So we need to try to work with our state leaders and even federal leaders to take advantage of grants and funding opportunities that um, come our way. Those may be a little bit few and far between depending on how the state budgets look with COVID impacts and things, but we, we need to try that because it is going to be a huge financial um, hurt for our county. We've already seen actually the utility rates are supposed to go up this year for the county utilities because our county commissioners are saying, well, we don't have enough money to fix the infrastructure. The problem is this wasn't planned for accurately in the past in order to keep up with everything. That leads me into my second point, which is stop the urban sprawl. Now, it's not just about stopping out of control growth, it's stopping also the consequences that come with it. The infrastructure does get old and fail from age, but when you overload it, because you now have way more people here than what you planned for 40 years ago when those pipes were put in, it can't handle what we have. The wastewater can't, uh, treatment plants can't handle it, the pipes can't handle it, the roads can't handle it. We're gonna have a lot of infrastructure problems if we don't fix the urban sprawl. And you're never gonna stop all the growth. We know that some growth is necessary as part of a growing community, but it's about not clear-cutting everything. It's about embracing the natural wildlife with the growth. There are many communities in the state of Florida that have growth, but they also embrace their natural community um, because that's what people care about. In our community, people in our community have told me and told many other people running that they care about the nature and the wildlife and the water. It's the developers and the special interests that really couldn't care less. So we need to listen to our community members about what they want in terms of preserving our wildlife, our nature areas, and stopping the urban sprawl. Um, we need to work with our zoning and our land use to take care of that. And in addition to that is raising the impact fees to 100% because if we Thank don't you. have that. Thank yeah. you for bringing that up because I'm, 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 you know, waiting patiently over on my end, letting you speak because this, this episode is all about you, but you know, I'm, I'm chomping at the bit here because we need to talk about, uh, you know, everything you're saying with clear cutting and yes, that, that has to stop because that lead, that adds to stormwater runoff because you don't have any trees and plants to be filtering that water. And then we get red, we get this out of control red tide from all the, the stormwater runoff that's full of nutrients. And so yes, what we're doing isn't working and yep. it is completely unethical to pass those costs on to current residents and give developers just this free pass where they're not paying what they should be paying so jump into that yeah the impact fees currently at the county level are 70 percent, and then each municipality can set their own within their within their municipality but for our county they're currently 70 percent. they need to be at 100 percent because the problem is when you don't have it at 100 percent, the cost of the impact doesn't go down to 70 percent. there's still a cost that's 100 percent or whatever the cost is if the developer is only paying 70 percent of the impact fee 30 percent is being funded through tax dollars through funds that could be used for other projects that we have so when you see all the growth that we're having and it's even still a lot through COVID, it's still going um 
that's 30% of every new impact that we're not collecting as a county. And every impact that brings people here increases the road traffic, the infrastructure usage, uh, the uh, trash, the wastewater facilities, all of it. So if we are now using tax dollars that we already had that could go to something else to pay for new impacts, we run out of it for other things. And then they raise the taxes because they can't fund everything they needed to fund. And people think that, well, if they're saying to me they're not going to raise my taxes, then that means the budget is going to stay low. And that's not it. It's politicians use buzzwords like, oh, I won't raise your taxes. Okay, people saying that, but there are ways that your taxes get raised indirectly through other things. If your taxes end up going up or your assessments go up because impact fees weren't at 100%, does it really matter that the politician didn't directly raise your taxes? Because your tax bill, your fees, everything's still going to go up. It's just going to be indirectly as a consequence of something else. In this case, the impact fees not being at 100%. And I don't want to hear, you know, builders complain about it. That's their job. It's their business to make as much profit and pay as little fees as possible. I don't necessarily blame them for that. I blame the elected officials for buying it and accepting that and not raising it to 100%. So that we have Thank to you. do. Yep. Yes. That the way you explain that makes perfect sense to me. And I really don't know how anyone can argue with that. I mean, it, you're talking about ways to, to help the current residents and hold developers accountable. And the financial aspect is totally clear the way you just explained that. So I, I really don't understand an argument against that. So you talked about um, the environment that obviously that's a huge part of everyone's platform right now. Every single person I know that I've spoken to anyway, uh, that's running for office, the environment is a priority. I'm probably talking to them because the environment's a priority to me. So, you know, it's not coincidence. Right. But anyway, beyond the environment, even though that's crucial, um, can you hit on some other aspects of your campaign? I mean, what, what you want to do when you take office? Um, yeah, we have a couple things we need to look at, and that's how do we um, navigate post-COVID with our budget? Um, we're going to have to see what kind of shortfalls are going to hit, um, not just this year, but also for the next fiscal year ensuring that through any shortfalls or things that may happen that we are funding the services that our residents count on and that we we may have some projects in the works that might not be able to get done right now that are something that was a desire but not necessarily a need and we may not be able to do them right away because we really need to fund a service for our residents so we're going to have to take a look at that the other thing is that um Previously, a few months ago, there was discussion about putting on the ballot a referendum for a mental health district within our county. This would be an extra tax added on, and it was a very small fee, but it was something that would essentially fund mental health services that would be a, a part of the county, and it would provide mental health services to residents. That item was taken off um, being a referendum item this year because of COVID. They didn't want to potentially burden the taxpayers anymore. We really need mental health services anyway, but especially during this time. Uh, there Thank you. That's what I was going to say. Removing mental health services right now during a pandemic is 
is is crazy. I mean, yeah. if, if there ever was a time that people needed services for for that aspect, it's now during during a pandemic. Yeah. And so I had no problem with it going to the referendum at first because it's, you know, that would give every individual who votes the opportunity to say whether they wanted to pay the tax for it or not. The concern I had was the way it was put out, it put a lot on the backs of the nonprofits. And our nonprofits in this community are amazing. They do a lot of good things, but we can't put it all on their back all the time. There are many already that try to help out with um, homeless, mental health, those type of uh, needs. So we need to figure out a way to better um, serve the community to where it's not always on the backs of the nonprofits. It could become something that's a division directly of our county, uh, or we could try to partner with some um, private entities that might want to be involved. We need to take some time and really look at it. This state is horrible with the funding of mental health as it is. Our county really has, if you look at the statistics, a mental health and suicide rate problem uh, that doesn't get talked about enough because who wants to come visit the county that has a huge mental health problem? So you're never going to see that announced publicly very much. So we really need to face up to the truth that we are not serving our folks who have mental illnesses very well, and we need to figure out a way to do that. So we need to make that a priority for this year in order to be able to figure out how do we get it into the budget? What do we need to do to do that? <clears throat> but then have accountability because there are a lot of things that start out as referendum items or go on the ballot. They get voted on and it never goes well because it never gets taken seriously after it's voted on or the accountability and the oversight's not there. So if we do this, let's do it the right way and go all in with it. That's gonna be a huge issue. Some other things are gonna be uh, beach road access. There has been a huge fight between people who wanna use the beach versus the property owners that are out there who think it's their right to block the beach. And um, so we're gonna to have to try to calm those waters a little bit. The West Village potential de-annexation down here in Northport, that's gonna be something that the county and city are gonna to have to work on and decide how they're gonna handle that. That's going to depend upon what the feasibility study that the city of Northport is doing says. Uh, I hope that um, will be an easy process, but I fear, unfortunately, that it won't. So that's going to be a huge issue. And the key is that you have somebody who's willing to work with the community, who's in the community, who actually will go out and talk to the community to learn what everybody's feeling, to learn the needs, and continue to learn them as they evolve. Wow, how refreshing to have someone that actually wants to talk to um, his constituents. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you know, it, what we have now for the majority there as uh, uh, Sarasota County Commissioners are people that I, I don't get this feeling that they even want to hear from their constituents. I mean, the, the times that we've spoken at, at county commissioner meetings for environmental issues, a couple of them have just flat out been rude and disrespectful and belittled the people speaking. I don't, I'm not asking you to comment on that. That's a, that's a Sam comment right there that I'm just sharing, you know, experience from witnessing this. And it just blows my mind that, that elected officials would be just that dismissive and, and uh, condescending to their very own constituents. And, you know, I am ready for someone to get in there that actually is of the people and cares about everyday people. So I'm, I'm excited that, that you're running. Um, can you tell me, 
exactly uh can you can you tell us what makes you qualified like what what why you um have the qualifications for this position yeah um so of course i've been a lifelong sarasota county resident um, but outside of that in terms of professional qualifications i hold a master's degree in business administration and I feel like that really, you know, part of that degree, you learn about contracts and you learn about numbers and figures, things and writing business plans. So I have a skill set that will innate, uh, allow me to identify when people are not doing the right thing with their budgets and people are not being fully honest with things or if they are doing really well. Um, because I have learned through that degree to how to read a budget and go through that process. I am the board president of Holly's Hope of Northport. We are a nonprofit that uh, we're working to provide access to mental health resources. Uh, we started a survivors of suicide group that has been helping a lot of people. Last month, we were able to resume it after a, a break because of COVID. So uh, we have some fabulous people that um, are working to try to enhance those grief groups and things like that to really highlight the fact that we need to help our people who have dealt with mental health issues. Outside of that, um, I work for the Sarasota County School Board. I uh, am um, a career advisor at Laurel Nacoma School. I work with our students there, our families, our staff. Uh, I've been involved in the community that way, making relationships with business partners and nonprofit partners in our community. Um, aside from that, I am the chairperson of the Northport Charter Review Board, and we have uh, we put forth a lot of things to go on the referendum this year. And so I've had experience with the Roberts Rules process of running a meeting and being able to work on a board and get things done that way. And I am ready to go on day one. It's a huge learning curve, of course, but I'm ready to go and serve the community. And most of all, I'll just say this, that, you know, people and I, we won't always agree on everything. But I will be an open voice. I'm not going to be rude and dismissive to people. I'm going to open my mind and heart to what people have to say and really take it in. Everybody that I've met, I've been able to learn something from. Everybody has a great background of knowledge and ideas that they've learned about. And I love it when I can learn something from them and I can teach them something as well. And that's what it's about is really community service, being an elected official is a service to the public. And I hope to return our local government to that type of government. Corey, in this last segment here, I want to start with something fun. Tell me something unique about you, something that um, those listening might be able to connect with or get a laugh out of or, you know, something something upbeat like that. All right. Um, some people asked me throughout the campaign, um, you know, are you prepared for the tough fight? Are you prepared to, you know, maybe not be in the majority on the dais and, and lose some battles and take some hits? Um, and I share with them that I am a lifelong Miami Dolphins football fan, so I'm used to pain and, <laughs> and heartache and disappointment. So um, as far as that, uh, yes, I am. Um, one of the uh, coolest things that I was able to experience through being involved in local politics and just some community organizations that I've been involved with are the people that I've met. And um, I have so many friends that are much, much older than I am but they are so young at heart, like even younger at heart than I feel I am sometimes. 
and um, I've been able to really hang out with a bunch of cool old people and and learn all about the crazy stuff that they're still doing. And it's it's kind of nice because it's like that stereotype of like, oh, the older generation versus the younger generation. We actually have a lot in common with the people that I hang out with and the people that I've I've made friendships with. So uh, that's I really love that. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. It's um, I I can feel like an old soul sometimes too. Are are you uh, the oldest and only child or? It's I'm the only one. It was only me. Yeah. So you've been around adults a lot in your life. And I think that might be where that comes from is that connection with you. You've been around adults since you were little. So you kind of grew up quickly and and you feel that connection with adults because that's who you've spent your time with. I can relate to that. Uh, All right. So tell me, tell the listeners, how can people get involved? This is your chance to plug your campaign website and your Facebook page and all that fun stuff you're doing. And, and just, you know, as we're heading into the home stretch here towards the election, cause you're going to be on the November ballot in yep. Sarasota County and uh, let people know what they can do to help out. Yeah. Uh, I appreciate anybody who's willing to help. And, you know, it doesn't always have to be money. Time is huge because we get pulled in so many different directions. So, um, you know, if you want to walk around your neighborhood and drop literature, I can hand you some little door knockers to hang around. Um, if you want to share um, my in, uh, interviews or posts on your social media, if uh, you have a podcast too that you want to interview me on, I'm all for that. You can find me at Hutchinson2020.com or my Facebook, which is Hutchinson for Sarasota County District 3. Feel free to contact me anytime. My email, my phone number, all those links are on there. Uh, truly, I'll, if I don't answer right away, I'll get back to you. If you want to call or text, either one's good with me. Um, even if it's just to ask a question, uh, I'm, I'm good with that. I love interacting with people and meeting new people. If you are willing to donate, it is uh, it would be a huge help to donate. Even $5, $10, that buys us a lot digitally. Um, but if you want to donate more, you can certainly do that at the website, Hutchinson2020.com. Or you can go on there. If you don't like to donate online, you want to mail a check. My information's on there to do that. Uh, if you want to host a virtual meet and greet with your neighborhood association or friends of yours, whatever it may be, uh, I love doing that and meeting new people and having the opportunity to speak. But really, hanging literature, uh, putting signs out during campaign times. If you want to go to the polls during the election, early voting times and be there at the polls with a Hutchinson 2020 shirt on and campaign for me and have that spirit and everything. Um, we'd love to have you do that. So reach out to me. There are many ways to get involved and I'd love to have the help. It would really uh, help during the home stretch. All right, Corey. Well, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure having you on the show. I've enjoyed hearing all of your plans. You're uh, an incredibly smart guy. You're, you communicate well. I can tell that you're, you've got the heart and the passion for this. And I'm really excited that you're running and I'm grateful that you're running. I know it's a really hard thing to do. And, and unless someone has ever run for office, they really just cannot understand the workload and dedication and time it takes. So I'm grateful for everything you're doing and I wish you the best of luck. And I will definitely spread the word. And I just am grateful that you've been on the show. So thank you so much, Corey. Thank you very much. I'm so appreciative to have this time and speak in front of people. So thank you for having me. I really appreciate it.
That wraps up this episode of Threads of Commonality. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you found some common threads and enjoyed listening. Please remember to click the subscribe button, share, and find us at threadsofcommonality.com. I'm your host, Sam Kelly. Remember to keep the conversations going.